Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast? The podcast that's making moves very, very, very slowly. Um, and we're going to start up top with um, some podcast news. Um, my podcast is sort of on Spotify um, and also on Anchor.fm. I wanted to get my podcast on Spotify because basically just to get it as many places as possible. So anyone who happens to listen can possibly um, enjoy the podcast or not, you know. Um, but I will say I have 4.5 out of 5 on iTunes, which is not bad for something as um, low budget as this, I would say. Um, but we're on Spotify, and Spotify, of course, gives you money if people listen. Regardless of if you're famous or not, if people are listening, then advertisers are spending. Because they have advertisers on all their shit. Even if they don't have any advertisers, or if you don't have like um, a paid account, you have advertisers. So you can get money through Spotify. Of course, only if people listen. But hey, get it as many places as you can. Um, in order to get it on Spotify, I had to use Anchor.fm because I have an RSS feed with um, JustCast which is like just a place where I host my RSS feed through Dropbox. And JustCast has been great to me. I've been using the RSS feed to get it on all the other platforms. It's fine. JustCast works very, very well. I have minimal complaints about that system. But because of no fault of JustCast, because of my own um, errors... I some of the podcasts are considered video podcasts, even though there's no video element. So I couldn't use my JustCast um, RSS feed for Spotify because it had videos on there and people really couldn't. Um, they couldn't. The Spotify people can't use video podcasts, at least not in the current day and age. So I went on Anchor. Um, just because I needed a new RSS feed, so I went on Anchor, did some Googling, found out about Anchor.fm, imported my RSS feed from JustCast to um, Anchor, got a new RSS feed that doesn't have videos somehow. I'm not entirely sure how that works, but now I technically have two RSS feeds. I have the Anchor feed, which I can use if the JustCast feed doesn't work. Um, I do have the option of going completely to Anchor.fm. Like, I can transport my JustCast to Anchor for seemingly no charge, and Anchor can um, distribute everything for me on all the major platforms if they so choose to, or if I allow them to do so. I can switch everything to Anchor. The problem is... Well, it's mostly just in my head, but I paid for JustCast. Like, I paid, like, 50 bucks for JustCast to host unlimited episodes on my podcast. And had I known that there were free options, I wouldn't have paid, obviously. Like, if I knew I could do Anchor.fm for free, I wouldn't um have paid. Uh, like, that, that just makes common sense. But I did pay. 
I paid for $50 for a whole year of JustCast. So it doesn't make sense for me knowing that I put the money in. If I take my money out or if I take my podcast out in less than a year, I wasted my money. Um, And the thing about Anchor, and I'm not trying to talk bad, I just have to upload it again. Like if I upload my podcast to JustCast, It'll, you know, play on like the Google Play and the spot in the Apple podcasts and all that stuff. And then I upload it to CastBox separately, CastBox.fm. I open, I upload that separately to CastBox and then I upload it to YouTube and YouTube takes even longer to upload because I'm not just uploading the audio file. I'm uploading, you know, a video element too. Like I put like the album artwork or the podcast artwork on the YouTube videos. So it takes longer to upload to YouTube than it does to any other streaming services. But now with Anchor, since the podcast is on Anchor and the Anchor feed goes to Spotify, now I have to upload it a third time to Anchor and hopefully the process will put it on Spotify I'm looking at my account right now. I do have the Spotify account open. And currently I have 18 episodes. I've made 18 podcasts. And I just uploaded my 18th to Anchor today. The day of recording, I uploaded my 18th to Anchor, which means it's been about a week late on Anchor than it is on everything else. And since the Anchor feed is connected to Spotify... Eventually, the 18th episode should be on my Spotify, but I'm looking at it right now, and my 18th episode is not there. I have 18 episodes, but there's only 17 on Spotify. I'm hoping by the end of the day, it gets approved and it's on Spotify. It just takes a little bit of time to process that I upload something to Anchor, and then it'll take some time, and then it'll be on Spotify. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. Um, If not, then... I'll have to figure it out. Maybe Spotify is missing the 18th episode forever. I hope not. Um, But I do remember, like, I tried to get this on Spotify in the very beginning. Like, I tried to upload it to Spotify. I just had to pay. Like, I had to pay for, um, like, to get it on Spotify. And now it seems like you can get it on Spotify more or less for free. um, As long as you have an RSS feed, which is good. Because podcasts... Like, the great thing about podcasts is that it's free. Like, I saw a tweet not too long ago. I don't know if I touched on this on the podcast, but it was a tweet from a podcast hosting service. I forget the name, but it was, like, an elite podcasting service, and their slogan, or the slogan, the slogan was, podcasts do not need ads. And I've always thought that the the ads are some of the best part of a podcast, potentially, because the host can infuse their personality with their advertisements. And podcasts are supposed to be free. But if you delete the free part, then the podcast just isn't the same. It's not, it, you lose the sense of average Joes can make a podcast when you take away the free element of a podcast. Um, so it's good that Spotify is coming around and not making you pay an exorbitant amount of money to put your shit on Spotify. Um, And if people listen on Spotify, then that is fantastic. Um, 
and hopefully this works out. I'm not too sure, but we're on Spotify pretty much, um, which is great. So I might earn money from this. Maybe this might not be just something I do for free, but we'll see. But hey, um, this is what is a podcast, which means that we're still figuring things out. We may never figure out everything. Just know that I am your host. I'm the producer. I'm the editor. I do all that shit. So we're learning as we go. And I never claim to be a professional anything. So don't hold me too seriously. Promise? Promise? Don't hold me too seriously to anything? All right. Promise. Um, But anyway, I wanted to start off this week with some advice. Something that I can give to potentially the younger generation. I'm a millennial the younger generation, Generation Z, we're, we're similar but different in some ways. But for the younger generation, the people who are, you know, getting their first jobs, the people who were born in 2002, I have some advice for you for your first job as a cashier. And for any cashier who hasn't learned this advice, um, and I don't think it's really told that much anymore, and I'm going to take a sip of water, but... I wanted to give some advice for all the cashiers out there, but particularly those who like cashier is your first job. And for me, it would be stop asking if a customer wants a receipt. Stop making the receipt optional if that's under your control. If you're like mandatory to make the receipt optional, I get it. But if you print out a receipt and you're giving the customer the option to take the receipt, stop doing that. Give them the receipt, no questions asked. Just give it to them. Yes, the customer probably doesn't want that receipt, but that's not your problem. Your problem was to give them the price, process their payment, give them change, and a receipt. Once you give them the receipt, it's not your problem. What I learned very early on as a cashier is if I don't give the customer the receipt, the receipt becomes my problem. And at my job, the receipt printed automatically. So if the receipt was my problem, I had to throw the receipt away. I'd end my shift with a trash can full of receipts that I had to take out and recycle. You don't want to do that. I know you probably have a trash can or something. If you don't have a trash can, especially give everyone their receipt. But if you do have a trash can, sure, you can use it sometimes, but you don't want to have an overflowing trash can. Just give them the receipt. They'll do what they want with the receipt. Stop making the receipt optional. And I'd say this because I was at Starbucks and I saw a cashier who appeared to be in training and she didn't know like anything about being a cashier. She was pretty slow. And I'm not knocking her. She was like on her first day of the job. But you can tell that, you know, she didn't know how to work the register that well. And I just wanted to give her some advice. Like, give me the receipt. You know, you let the computer do the math for you. You don't have to do all this mental math in your head. All that type of stuff. But I'm sure she'll get better. But I just wanted to give that advice out. Don't make the receipt optional. And I see a lot of places do this because I think that the cashier themselves 
if they were shopping, they wouldn't want the receipt. So they give the courtesy to everyone else out of the goodness of their hearts to make the receipt optional. I'm telling you to stop having that goodness in your heart. I'm telling you, give everyone the receipt. Stop making it optional. And then you don't have to worry about that receipt in your trash can later on. But anyway, as I take a sip of my water, which has become like my transition phrase, like take a sip of water. I was thinking about beverages as well, specifically the Arnold Palmer. And this is going to be quick. Or maybe it won't be quick. I actually don't know. But the Arnold Palmer is a popular beverage. Makes lemonade and iced tea. But I was thinking about the perfect ratio because I was like kind of making my own. And I think that the perfect ratio is 25% Arnold, 75% Palmer. Now, keep following me for a minute. Whatever you don't like or whatever is your least favorite between lemonade and tea, that's the Arnold. Your least favorite is the Arnold. So for me, if I like lemonade more than tea, then my tea is the Arnold. 25% tea or Arnold. And then the rest is lemonade. 75% Palmer. That way, you get a good mix. You still get like the tea element that makes the flavors pop, but you get the lemonade, which is what you really came in here for. And if you mess up, like I feel like people do 50% Arnold, 50% Palmer. I think a better ratio is 25% Arnold, 75% Palmer. And that way you get a nice mix. And if you like tea more than lemonade, 75% tea, that's your Palmer. Your Arnold is 25% lemonade. That was just something I had on my mind. I had to get that out. But we have news. We have sports news. The Eastern and Western Conference Finals are here. And I have a predicament. I like the Milwaukee Bucks, and I have since 2010. And I like the Golden State Warriors. And there's an increasing probability that the Bucks and Warriors will meet in the NBA Finals. And I don't know who to root for. And it seems like I'm a huge bandwagon fan. You can call me a bandwagon fan, but just know, when I was growing up, the Warriors were so bad. When we had Andres Biedrins and Kalena Azubuki and our best player was Jason Richardson, we were so bad. I moved, I gave my support to the Milwaukee Bucks in 2010. Back then, everyone liked the Heat or the Lakers, and I was moving on to the Bucks. And now they're both good at the same time. So I have this predicament that. Either a team I like has to lose earlier than they want to, or my two teams face off in the NBA Finals. And I don't know who to root for. I mean, if the Bucks win, it would be monumentous because they beat the Warriors, and it would only be their second title ever. If the Warriors win, it's monumentous because it's a three-peat. But people have three-peated before. The Bucks haven't even gotten three championships before, so... I don't know. But the NBA draft lottery, which is kind of ridiculous in concept, happened. 
And I was actually going to record this podcast yesterday, but there was basketball to be watched. So, John Morant is basically the second overall prospect behind Zion Williamson. And the Pelicans got the number one pick, so they basically own the rights to Zion Williamson. And John Morant is number two. And I was thinking about John Morant because, or Jay Morant, but I'm pretty sure it's Ja. John Morant, his username on Instagram and Twitter is IGotGame12. I don't know if that seems as ridiculous to you as it does to me. Because I went to school with basketball players. I know people who wanted to go to the NBA or go to Division One. I. I know what usernames they have. I got Game 12 is not the username of an NBA prospect. I got Game 12 is a username for like a five foot seven freshman. I can't believe he still has that username. I hope he changes it once he gets to the league. But if I can give any advice to the younger generation, John Morant, Generation Z, change your username quickly. The brand recognition will be so strong. You can't get a shoe deal with a name like I Got Game 12. You just can't. You can't. That's like a fucking Calvin Cambridge username. That's like a Like Mike username. You can't do that. Please, please, please change it. Change your username before they make you. Do it on your own accord. It doesn't have to be your exact name. It doesn't have to be John Morant, but... It has to be something cooler than I got game 12. It just has to. And I'm not saying this as a branding expert. Like, if you look at my social media, everyone has a different username. My Instagram username is different from my Facebook username, different from my YouTube username. And if I was smart, I'd make it all the same. But I'm not smart in that way. But I know that... If I had a username like I got game 12 and I had a chance to be one of the top athletes in my sport, I would change that shit. But anyway, we have to talk about more important things than the NBA draft or cashiers or Arnold Palmer's. We have to talk about something very, very serious. And that's Game of Thrones. Because people are mad at Game of Thrones. People are mad at the writing. People are mad at the laziness, the sloppiness. There was an episode where it was so dark you could barely see. And then right after that, they left a coffee cup in the shot that they could have easily digitally edited out, but they didn't. And people are mad at the writing. They're saying the season is so bad compared to others. And you have to give some respect to the writers. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Let me redo that. You have to give some respects to the writers. Because the books, the Game of Thrones books, aren't finished yet. So they're finishing something that isn't finished yet. But I've never thought that Game of Thrones was a masterpiece. I feel like we consider Game of Thrones a masterpiece. Really what Game of Thrones is, it's a good show with a big budget. The budget and the art makes it good, but has the writing ever been that great? Like, it's just been good. It hasn't been fantastic. I feel like we put Game of Thrones 
on such a high pedestal that now that it's not 100% fantastic, we're upset. But a show with a budget as big as Game of Thrones shouldn't have left a cup on set, but I just never felt that Game of Thrones was a masterpiece. You didn't need to watch every single episode to follow what's going on. But what I do have a question about, and I'm not about to say what I could do to make it better or anything like that. What I do have a question about is Daenerys Targaryen, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark is probably Game of Thrones' most marketable, bankable star. Amelia Clark, she's always on the talk shows. People either want to be a friend or want to be her boyfriend or girlfriend. People love Amelia Clark. And now, with the most recent episodes of Game of Thrones, people are disliking Daenerys, who has been like their most marketable character with their most marketable actor. It doesn't seem smart to me to have people turn on your most marketable character. Um, But anyway, Game of Thrones is going to end soon. And then if you want to read the books, I don't know anyone who's read those fucking books. But if you want to read the books and get a better ending, maybe that's how you do it. But also, Amelia Clark was at the, the Rockets Warriors game. And all I could think about was like, does she like basketball? Because she's from like England. And I don't think they like basketball that much in England. They're much more of like a soccer country. Um, and like, they don't like really fuck with baseball in England. They don't fuck with American football in England. I think they like cricket in England and soccer and golf and shit. But I was just wondering, like, how much does Amelia Clark, not because like of anything other than the fact that she is from England, like how much does she actually know about basketball? Like, did she learn about basketball by coming to America? I don't know. And I don't know. I would just say, but Amelia Clark is super attractive um so i don't care if she knows anything about basketball or not it was just fun to see her at the the game with beyonce and stuff um i would say that it's probably problematic to rank women so i'm not gonna say that i'm like ranking women in terms of attractiveness because that's probably problematic but you know when it comes to you know people who are attractive amelia clark is up there looks personality dragons it's like how can a nerd not be attracted to someone who has literally ridden dragons on tv you can't um but yeah people are mad at game of thrones and i can't blame them from being mad if you don't like something you have the right to be mad at something but i don't know it seems a little bit overblown i think we've overblown game of thrones and we've made it so that now that it's not what we thought it was, we're mad. But moving on, we have we have other things to talk about. Yes, Game of Thrones is important and Amelia Clark is important, but we have other things to talk about in the entertainment industry, including Alyssa Milano. You remember Alyssa Milano? I don't even know what movies or TV shows she's been in, but 
there's been problematic uh, abortion laws afoot, um, especially in Alabama. There's been like a terrible, terrible abortion law that was passed. And Alyssa Milano was like saying we should have a sex strike or women. I'm not a woman. Should have a sex strike against um, men because the abortion laws are fucked up. And I understand where she's coming from. And a lot of women have expressed their their um, their issues with it. And I have my own issues with it. Um, but I think that women have more of the, the high ground here. I just wanted to make a point. Alyssa Milano effectively said that more women should be incels. And I assume that I'm on the same side as Alyssa Milano on a lot of things, but one of like the core tenets of being a liberal in 2019, we have to make fun of incels. So if we become incels ourselves, we become the same thing that we're making fun of. We can't do that. Like if you say, if you want to have a sex strike with your husband or boyfriend or whatever i don't care that much but if you're going to say that everyone needs to become an incel like definitely the people who are incels are going to use this as ammunition for sure we can't as like the left as democrats and liberals if we become incels it's all over if we become incels, Trump is going to get a second term. That's just how it is. Um, we can't be doing that shit. Um, but anyway, back to sports. Back to sports, back to sports, back to sports. Because we have hockey news. And you might be saying, I've never heard you talk about hockey before. And that's right. Because I live in the Bay Area. And here in the Bay Area, there's something very special about sports in the Bay Area. And that is that even though a lot of us have no interest in hockey, we will come together and root for the San Jose Sharks every spring, every April and May. We come together. We don't even watch still, but we come together. We cheer on the Sharks. Go, go, go. Score goals. Skate on the ice. We cheer on the Sharks. And we just jump on the bandwagon after not paying attention for so long. And it's just a beautiful thing. It's like bandwagoning without the stigma. And I actually do want to get into hockey more. Like, when I see hockey, I do enjoy it. I know that as an African-American, hockey is not my um, my demographic, really. Like, hockey isn't trying to appeal to me specifically. And there's not that many black people who play hockey. But it's definitely something that's exciting and fun and something that I like to watch. Like, as someone who is, like, not good at ice skating, like, I'm terrified of ice skating. To see people, like, effortlessly glide on ice and punch each other and score goals is very exciting. I just haven't gotten into it, and it's not, like, televised that much, um, at least not during, like, the the regular season. Um, so I haven't gotten into it, but I do want to get into it. And I, I've been saying that for years now, and I think next year might be the year that I actually get into hockey, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, we have to talk about a sports icon 
we have to talk about Skip Bayless. If you're familiar with Skip Bayless, he is a hot take machine. He's on um, First Things First. I believe that show. What the fuck is that show's name called? I forget. Because um, really, I just like see clips on the internet. But Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp former NFL player, go at it about sports. And because I interact with like sports media personalities, I've seen Skip Bayless on Instagram. And Skip Bayless posted some thirst traps and he's been posting like pictures of him like working out, how much body fat he doesn't have, his outfits. And he was posting like a post-workout like he was dripping in sweat and Skip Bayless, I can only assume, is like 67 years old. Um, and he was like working out, talking about like his cardio and his workout routine. And I was like, bro, does Skip Bayless know that he posts thirst traps? Does Skip Bayless know that that's what that is? Because Skip Bayless, like, it was like he was trying to steal my girl. Like, if I was, I, I even commented, I was like, delete this before my girl sees it. Because I was like, God damn, Skip. Like, you don't need to be showing all this, but like you can if you want. But Skip Bayless was, is posting thirst traps. And I'm not saying he must be stopped. I'm not saying that we need to delete Skip Bayless from the internet. I'm just saying it's pretty funny that that's who's posting thirst traps now. That guy, Skip Bayless, is like an Instagram model on occasion. Um, but yeah, Skip Bayless is... Um, you know, he's going to steal all our girlfriends. There's not going to be any left because Skip Bayless, he posts like his new Jordans, his muscles. We're not going to have any girlfriends left. Skip Bayless is going to take them all. Um, Yeah, I I, I can't. I, when I saw that, because like I just see him on my Explore page and I'm like, oh, fuck. What's Skip Bayless doing? Got a comment on Skip Bayless. And it was just like, it was unbelievable to me. Like the level of thirst trap that he was posting as like in his 60s i i thought it was like funny more than anything but skip bayless is is gonna steal all our girlfriends and there's nothing we can do about it but anyway i'm gonna take a break i'm going to drink some water and then we'll be back and we are back um during the break i did a couple google searches I learned that Skip Bayless is indeed 67 years old. That was a guess on my part. But he is 67. And the show he's on is Undisputed, which I knew. But the name of the show doesn't really matter. And First Things First is a show with Nick Wright, who's the guy that loves LeBron James more than his own family. So, yeah, just to clear up some mistakes in almost real time. But... There's a few more topics that I want to get into today. The first one being representation in the media. Because I just saw Detective Pikachu. And there was a main character who was almost the same skin tone as me. Meaning a light-skinned black person. And I this might be hard for you to believe, but I get stopped fairly often because people think they recognize me from TV. I'm not saying that I like have movie star good looks or anything, but 
I do get stopped at least like once every two months because someone thinks I've been on TV. And I haven't been on TV to my knowledge. Um, and I thought that was cool. Representation of black people who like Pokemon because we are out there and there's lots of us. Um, that was cool. But I was thinking about representation in a different way, like not so much your ethnicity, but where you're from. And I mentioned this in a video um, that I did about um, the whole James Charles thing, because um, he's been, if you don't know who James Charles is, he's been um, in the news because he's been an asshole and he's a makeup artist slash amateur singer, question mark. Um, and he's been fucking up. And I made a whole video on that, so I'm not going to go ad nauseum here. But in that video, I mentioned Hassan Minhaj, also known as Hassan Minhaj. And he was talking about driving through my hometown. Um, and I've been kind of weird about my hometown on the internet. But it's on my Twitter. It's pretty sure it's on my Instagram. It's on my Facebook. I'm from Vallejo, California, in the Bay Area. And... Hassan Minhaj was talking about um, crashing his car here in Vallejo. And I felt a way that I haven't felt in a long time because there are celebrities from Vallejo. We have E-40, CC Sabathia, SOBRBE. And I'm not taking away from those people. In fact, like CC Sabathia, whenever he mentions Vallejo, I get a similar feeling, but not the same. E-40 is an ambassador to the Bay Area in a way that I can only wish to ever be. I'm not taking anything away from those people. What I'm saying is, is that Hassan Minhaj, Hassan Minhaj, who is from Davis, which is close by Sacramento, about 45 minutes away from Vallejo, him crashing his car there, it just felt different. Because it was like, because usually when people talk about where they're from, like, you're like, oh yeah, that's where I'm from. But when someone's talking casually just about your town, and not like making fun of it, just talking casually um, on Ellen DeGeneres' show, which is what this was. It just felt different. I wonder how many people feel that way. Like if you're from like, um, say you're from somewhere in Minnesota, like you're from a smaller town in Minnesota. Vallejo has about 100,000 people in it. So let's say you're from like, I don't know. Not Minneapolis or St. Paul, but somewhere close. And then someone just casually talks about your town. You're going to get excited, I assume. And that's how I felt. And I felt like representation that way, like just casually talking about where people are from. Because Vallejo is not like, it's not San Francisco, it's not Oakland. We're, we're a regular place. We're not like the most major of cities, um, even though we do have a lot of history and we are important in a lot of ways. And I just was like, oh, this is representation in a different way. And I don't think I understood representation until I felt that like excitement that someone was talking about my city in a regular, casual way. And it wasn't just like E-40 talking to the Bay Area. Because when E-40 talks, and again, I'm not taking anything away from E-40. We love E-40. But when E-40 talks, it's like Bay Area to Bay Area. And then when Hassan Minhaj... It was him talking about Vallejo in the Bay Area to everybody. And I think that has a different feeling. And I'm not saying that E-40 hasn't spread Vallejo everywhere. Because he's, you know, nationally, internationally known. 
he spreads Vallejo the best he can, but it just felt different talking in a casual conversation is really what I meant to say. And we do have to talk a little bit about James Charles. And I'm sorry for this, but it's going to get into the end of this podcast, I think. Because James Charles, he's been fucking up. And we've known that he's been fucking up for a while now. He's lost 13 million. Or I'm sorry. He's lost 3 million subscribers. So he had 16 million subscribers on YouTube, which is a lot. And he's now at 13 million. And 13 million people is still a massive number, like more than a lot of countries, I assume. But the fact that he lost 3 million basically over a weekend, um, over like some internet drama that I'm not going to get into on this podcast because I don't fully understand it. And I don't care about these people that much. Um, it just involves someone named Tati Westbrook. And I was just thinking, like, how much money has he actually lost? How much of a problem is this for James Charles? And is his career over? Because he lost $3 million, which means $3 million cared to unsubscribe. They cared enough to click a button. But people probably, because of all this controversy, have been going to watch James Charles' videos and making him money anyway. So we might, this might actually be a good financial month for James. But is his career over? We'll see. But I don't remember any time that 3 million people just abandoned a celebrity that quickly. Like that fell off that quickly. This happened literally... In a span of like three to four to five days. So I watched a couple videos on it. And one of the people who I watched videos from made another video that I did not watch. But, excuse me. The video was titled, Emma Chamberlain's new podcast is bad. And I review podcasts here in my own way. So... Instead of watching that video, because I wanted to have a fresh in my mind, I decided to look up Emma Chamberlain's podcast. And I don't know much about Emma Chamberlain, or I didn't before this um, this podcast experience. And I knew that she made videos on YouTube, much like James Charles, much like me. And I knew that she had lots of fans. That's basically it. And I don't want to be mean I know I was mean when I first started reviewing podcasts and I reviewed the dollop and I hated the dollop, but the dollop I didn't like more so because of the audio quality. And I'm not saying I have great audio quality, but I, I hated it more for the audio quality than I did for the content. And when I watched Emma Chamberlain's um, podcast or listened, I should say, to Emma Chamberlain's podcast, I didn't want to be mean to Emma. Because I know, I guess another thing I knew about Emma Chamberlain was that she was young. I actually Googled it. She's 18, right? So she's gotten this internet fame very young at 18. And she started a podcast. Already a red flag for me. I'm not saying that young people can't listen to podcasts. But I feel like podcasts is more of an early 20s thing. Maybe the younger generation is different than the millennials. 
and they all listen to podcasts. But to me, most people don't get into podcasts until they're like 21, 22. So already a red flag for me. And the podcast is called Stupid Genius. And the premise of the podcast is that Emma asks a question that we all have the same question and is easily Googleable, but no one really remembers the answer. So like the question will be like, why do dogs lick you? Why do onions make you cry? That type of stuff, right? Stuff that you can Google in a minute. Stuff that you can Google in 30 seconds, right? That's what this is. And for me, I was like, this is kind of weird, but I, I went for it anyway. So she has three guesses to get the answer to the question that she set up. And already, I have, there's some red flags with this. One, it can easily be rigged. Two, you're going to run out of material because there's only so many stupid questions that you can ask. And once you roll through all of those, like what happens when you're 50 episodes in? You might run out of material. So those were my concerns, mostly. And I'm listening to it. It's not very long. Most episodes are 30 minutes or less. And I'm not saying a podcast has to be long. Like a bite-sized podcast is fine. A chunklet of a podcast is fine. It doesn't have to be an hour long. But when I see a podcast that has like 30 minutes and like I know the premise of the podcast is going to be over pretty quickly, I have a little bit of concern. And I also have concern when it's like two people, but this is a solo podcast that she's doing. And there is lots of editing in the podcast, which I was not a fan of, like lots of sound effects. So like if she said like, I ate an apple, Emma Chamberlain did. If she said that, then there would be an apple eating sound effect right after her. And I didn't like that. And I know she comes from like the YouTube space and she does a lot of editing probably, or like she makes a living off of editing on her computer. But I felt like in the podcast space, you don't need that. Maybe a theme song, maybe like a little jingle to get between segments like I probably need because I suck at transitioning between topics. But you don't need a whole bunch of sound effects, a whole bunch of editing. So she does that. She answers her question and she gets three guesses and she tries to make it funny. Like there's like a humorous aspect to the podcast. And I'm older than Emma Chamberlain. And what I got was Nickelodeon humor. Fart jokes, pee jokes, poop jokes, and things of that nature. I got Nickelodeon type humor, which is not for me. Like maybe her jokes are for a younger audience. But at the same time, how many young people are listening to podcasts? I don't think that many young people are listening to podcasts. So I'm not sure if this is the right move for her or anything. Because like it was a lot of like, I felt like it was Nickelodeon level humor or style of humor. Like, very Nick Magazine style of humor. And some of it felt forced. And some of it was like they're using the sound effects to make it funnier than it is. Or to fill in the gaps. But, I don't know. It just felt very childlike. 
and I'm not mad at her. Like, this doesn't make me mad. I'm not upset. I just, because I expect an 18-year-old to be 18. I expect them to be, you know, I'm not saying that 18-year-olds are stupid, but they're not always mature. I mean, I've worked in high school settings for three years. And a lot of these 17, 18-year-olds are very experienced, very mature, and better people than me, to be quite frank. If you read these people's college essays, a lot of these kids are very good people, but and very mature, very eloquent. I'm not saying that, but there's always, you know, some brain development, some life development that needs to happen. So I'm not expecting to relate to 18-year-olds. Like if an 18-year-old is being annoying, I don't get mad because they're 18. They're they're living. They're still experiencing things. I'm not mad about that like some people seem to be, but it's also not for me. And it also just got me thinking like why I don't label myself as a comedian in my podcast or in anything I do. Like this podcast is under society and culture. This um my YouTube channel Like, most of the videos are under people and blogs. Like, I don't label myself as a comedian because then I feel forced to make jokes. If I label myself as people and blogs or as society and culture, then I don't have to make jokes. I just make jokes if they come naturally to me. And honestly, it still kind of sucks when you do it my way too because if you don't present yourself as a comedian, and I don't consider myself like a comedian, like as a stand-up, I don't write comedy, I don't do anything like that. I just, like, the majority of the time I'm telling jokes in real life or on Twitter, and then sometimes in videos. But because I don't present myself as a comedian, people tend to take my jokes absolutely seriously. Whereas if I presented myself as a comedian, I feel like people wouldn't take everything I say so seriously and they might be able to see the humor in it. Maybe I just didn't tell the joke well enough and that's fine. But for me, it's like because I'm not a comedian or I don't label myself that they're not taking anything as a joke when some things are clearly meant for a joke in my head. But if I label myself as a comedian, then people are expecting joke after joke after joke after joke and I just don't want to feel that pressure. And I feel like Emma Chamberlain, and again, I don't know anything about her video-wise. She did mention something in her podcast about driving 45 minutes to Livermore. So she's probably from... Livermore is a city in the Bay Area, so she's probably from the peninsula, which if you don't know, the peninsula, there's San Francisco, then there's like everything south of San Francisco, including a city called South San Francisco. Um, And then Livermore is like kind of like the edge of the East Bay. And then there's like South Bay, which is San Jose. And based on how she talks, I don't think she's from Oakland or or San Lorenzo or San Leandro. She seems like Peninsula, which is like Palo Alto. That's where Stanford is, um, stuff like that. I would say that's where she's probably from based on what she said geographically. Um, And that's basically the knowledge that I know from her. But based on this, it seems like she's labeling herself as a comedian and she's still trying to be a comedian. And that's where like the, the part like this could help her in the long run 
is she develops her comedic timing and her jokes and her writing and anything like that, then she can be a very good comedian by the time she's 22. And this could be like a developmental stage. Yes, she might look back at it and think it's bad, but she could develop her jokes, her comedy, her timing, and be a successful comedian, maybe not like a stand-up comedian, but definitely like a comedy writer or like actor or actress. I could definitely see that from her because I felt like I just didn't get her real personality in everything except the ad reads. Like the ad reads I felt like is when the real her came out because she would just relax and reading off of a script essentially. And when she came back for her actual podcast, I felt like she was putting on an act. And I feel like that might be misconstrued because I feel like anyone who makes videos or podcasts puts on an act. Like for me, right now I'm talking at a different pace and at a different volume than I normally talk. And when I made a video that I mentioned earlier in this podcast about like the James Charles situation and representation, that was a laid back video. I was talking more or less how I normally talk and it felt good. Like when I make videos, like it strains my vocal cords because I'm just not used to speaking that way for that long of time. And And this week I made some beefy YouTube videos. I've been making like 20 to 30 minute long YouTube videos. So my vocal cords are feeling it. And I've been having to take more breaks during the podcast that you hopefully didn't notice because of the power of post-production. But um, yeah, I said I took one break. I really took like three or four. But um, yeah, my vocal cords are feeling it. So we all put on an act or put on a voice, but I felt like her voice or her act was more forced than it could be. It could be more of a natural character that she slides into when she does her podcast. And again, I don't know her videos, so I don't know what her videos are like. Um, But this podcast was too overly produced. And I also feel like the podcast needs guests. Like she can easily turn this podcast into a show where the guest gets asked the questions from Emma, they work through the problems together, give you more beef, more length on the podcast, and it could be a lot better with a guest and less production. And she was also trying to be like um, relatable with it. And I think relatability is overrated. Just to give an example, I had a friend in high school and I didn't get mad at my friend for this, but she said that, She didn't like Lil Wayne, the rapper, because she couldn't relate to his music. And she likes someone like J. Cole, who raps about losing his virginity in math class because she can relate more to J. Cole's story than to Lil Wayne. And me, as someone who likes music, who likes art, I don't give a fuck about relatability. I just care if it's good or not. If Lil Wayne is talking about selling drugs, even though I don't sell drugs, is it good or not? I feel like we hold rap music and music to a different standard than other forms of entertainment because we don't think that we can relate to the Avengers except for Thor in the newest movie in Endgame. I related to Thor in the Endgame very much. But we don't say we relate to John Wick. Like, we don't care that much. We care if it's good or not. And I feel like with, like, YouTube or, like, rap music, we care about relatability in a way that doesn't make that much sense to me. But anyway, I just felt like 
Right now, Emma Chamberlain, she's figuring it out. I'm sure there's money behind this podcast because she had like three ad reads in a 30-minute podcast. But I do feel like the ad reads were the best part where I could see her as herself and see why the kids really like her. And there were some moments that were kind of funny, but most of it was Nickelodeon-style humor that I grew out of. Like, I don't watch Danny Phantom anymore. Like, I don't watch Fairly Odd Parents anymore. I don't have that same level of humor that I did. So I can't necessarily grasp onto that. And I think the podcast needs guests. I think it needs less production. And I think that it could be good. Like, you tweak some of the format and it could be good. But right now, it's not very good. So if I was to give Stupid Genius by Emma Chamberlain a rating, probably like 4 out of 10. It has potential to be good, but right now it's not. And that's all. I need to give my vocal cords a rest. Thank you for listening if you listen all the way through. Um, If you listen on Spotify, shout out to you. If you listen anywhere else, shout out to you. If you can rate me 5 stars, if you like it, cool. Because right now I'm at 4.5. And I'd like to get to five. Um, Yeah, subscribe, like, review, um, constructive criticism, nice criticism. Anything is welcome. Thank you for listening. Love you. Goodbye. Please be safe.